you guys, you may remember this gentleman right here from about a month ago. We talked week four of the NFL season, but also during the CFL season. But I'm going to get his name right this time. From Sportsnet, it is Dave Morasuti. Dave, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Doing all right. Doing all right. It's uh, it's what we call this the the busy month. There's no other way to put it. This is like chaos thrown into one month of the calendar. I, I feel that just because it's like, you know, you have all the sports are in motion. Obviously, baseball just ended last night, but NFL is at their halfway point. Hockey's kind of in that part now where it's getting rampant. NBA just started. And obviously, the reason why you're here, CFL playoffs start Saturday afternoon where we got two. I'm going to call them right now. I think we're going to get two really good games Saturday afternoon. Yeah, the playoffs should bring out really good competition. I feel more so about it with the East than I do with the West, but the best time of the year is the CFL uh, is the CFL playoffs. Like they, this is what everyone waits for. I know it's 18 games can be a little bit of a drag, but once you get to the playoffs, all chips on the table. Yeah, I feel that just because it's look, the regular season is pretty much four and a half months. It started all the way back at the beginning of June. Now it's November 3rd. Yeah, it's November, November 2nd, excuse me. It's the 2nd of November. And you know what? We've got three more weeks left. There are five games to be played to determine who's going to win the Grey Cup. And we get things started Saturday in Montreal in a rematch of last week. Um, I'm going to say this right now. I don't know who exactly. I'm going to wait to say who I picked, who I think is going to win this game. But I'm going to say this as obviously you and I both cover the Toronto Argonauts. If Hamilton wins this game, I'm more scared of them coming into BMO Field next weekend than I am Montreal. Yeah. Oh, I, I, definitely, right? There's so much on the line here for, for – like, I've always said that Hamilton has the most to lose this season out of any CFL team, right? Because yeah. they got a second chance to um, get a great cup in their own building, trying to get back there once again, right? Yeah. They, didn't, they got – you know, they got to the big dance in 2021. Unfortunately, it didn't end – I mean, they got as close as you can get to winning a great cup. Yes. So actually winning the Great Cup. They get another chance, obviously. And so there's there was this built-up pressure right from the offseason, right? All the changes that were made. Orlando Steinar getting in an increased role as, you know, the head of everything. So that's just something I would say um, would give me pause to think that Hamilton has a tricky road just because of the pressure put on them. Um, I only say what I said about that just because I feel like if they beat Montreal, they're essentially – it's like, you know, when you're at the casino and you're playing with house money, like you basically – you have – okay, if you lose, it is what it is. But at the same time, too, there is that pressure on them to get to the game. But at the same time, too, it's kind of that – and also I'll say this, too. BMO Field's going to be rocking next Saturday regardless. But if you throw in Hamilton into that game, I think there's a chance attendance can soar – not saying sellout, but it can get, I think, to – what you would normally see for like a Toronto FC game, which for the Toronto Argonauts would be huge. Now, like like you said too, and the other pressure I think as well is the fact that, look, everyone's won since the years turned to 2000 except for one franchise, guys, and that is Hamilton. So I feel like that pressure's it's not noted, but I feel like you have to know that the fans want it and the team and the organization as a whole is just screaming. Because think about this too from their perspective. If you beat Montreal, you have the chance to go into Toronto this year, who Toronto's been the ultimate thorn in your side. You had to be there on their banner night. They went into your house twice and whooped you completely, both on that Friday night in July and then on Labor Day. And then 
they whooped you again middle of September with a pick six from a linebacker. No disrespect to Winton. You and I both appreciate the man and we know he's skilled, but for but for Hamilton, there's that's a lot of like, you know, bulletin board material for them to capitalize on. So I'm just saying that, like, or I'm starting to think this, it's just this whole thing. And even too, um, I learned that apparently the last time Toronto beat Hamilton in Toronto in an East final was two, not 2000, excuse me, it was 1983. So it's been a long time as well for that. So there's just so many storylines next week for that game. But ultimately when this game's said and done, I'm going to stick with Montreal just because Montreal knows how to beat teams that are beneath them. It's just that once they get to the East final, look, they're 0-7 against BC, Winnipeg, and Toronto for a reason. Yeah, I know for sure. And sometimes, and I, and sometimes teams get a little too ahead of themselves, thinking to you know, thinking ahead to the Great Cup, thinking ahead yeah. to the final, instead of looking at what's right in front of them, right? And so Hamilton's usually pretty good at that, though they're not yeah. a team that gets caught. Because look, this is a veteran team. This yeah. isn't an inexperienced team. A lot of these guys have been there before and have done it before. For Montreal, you know, I, I look back to that game they played against Toronto earlier in the year where East first in the East was still kind of up for grabs. And in the first quarter, they lose their best offensive player in Austin Mack, who gets thrown out of the game because emotions got the best of them and he did something stupid and got himself tossed from the game. That's the sort of thing right there where you may it makes you wonder on paper. Montreal would be everyone would say give Montreal that game, but there's always the experience factor. Jason Moss is an experienced coach. That's not the issue. The issues is, are the players ready for that. You know what is to come in the in an environment like this. Exactly, exactly. Because we don't know what Montreal is going to be like. Obviously, they're one of the teams too that struggles more with attendance. I, I saw Shinetti Sports Center hit today where they're already getting the stadium prepped in Hamilton for the Grey Cup. So there's there's a lot on both sides. But like I said, I expect Montreal to kind of be ready to go Saturday. And even like you said, too, that game July 14th, it pretty much was close. And then there was an unbelievable DeMonte Coxie catch that pretty much sealed the game for Toronto to where it's just like, hey, they, we kind of knew who they were. But the one thing with Toronto that really stuck with me was base because I even call this dude their loss to Calgary when Winton told us like that was a turning point in the season because ever since that game to Calgary, Toronto's looked unstoppable. That's why I feel like everyone's going to pick them, but we'll get to that in a minute. But when it comes to this game as a whole, do you think Montreal's winning or do you have Hamilton personally? I'm I'm still leaning to Montreal, but I think it's gonna be close. Just because Montreal has do, does have some veteran experience to help them in certain situations. Uh, like Sean Lemon has been such a big boost to that pass rush. Yeah. And I'm still, I, I can I throw my weight behind Bowie by Mitchell or Matthew Schultz? I still can't. And that's the issue for me. Yes, they've had some good performances, but I take, I take those into different weight when teams are not putting out their best in the final weeks of the season with everything kind of wrapped up, right? When the chips were down earlier in the year, Bowie by Mitchell was committing mistake after mistake, mistake. And his, his, his health is still something I question, right? He might be looking okay, but you never know. So I still think Montreal has more, more pizzazz to them than Hamilton does. 
but I do think Hamilton's going to try their best to grind this out to make this to make Montreal really battle nerd everything. Um, I look at the line right now, and it's at that minus three and a half for Montreal. So I like Montreal to win, but give me the, give me Hamilton on the point spread to cover. I can see like a twenty-seven to twenty-four dogfight kind of game where it's just at the end of the day, Montreal has that extra advantage to get the win. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And you just look back at earlier in the year, like some people, again, I always say, don't, you know, it's easy to look at teams later in the year and the run they go on. But there's something to be said with teams that kind of establish their play throughout the whole season and not just over a couple of games. Exactly. Um, before we get to the West Final, I had a quick question for you about Toronto as a whole. Mm-hmm. Obviously, 16-2 and two season, uh, multiple players nominated for awards like Chad Kelly for MOP, Ryan Dinwiddie for East Division Coach of the Year, which I feel like he's got locked up. Do you sense, though, with this team, obviously we know that there's a 1-0 mentality that's been in there since we first got with these guys in June. Um, I say that as non-weirdly as possible. Um, do you think that there's a chance that it could all come crashing down, or do you think that this group has that resilient fire in them to ultimately get to Hamilton and lift the Great Cup on November 19th? Like, Do you think that there's that chance that they could slip, or do you think that they're just too focused and in the moment to know that, hey, we know what the goal is and that there's 120 minutes of football left to be played? Two things I'll say to that is I was there in 2021 where the Argos were the looking like the favorites going into that game against Hamilton and completely falling apart. This is a totally, and even last year, there were some concerns about if Toronto could overcome that, and they put out one of their best performances of the season against Montreal. I do, the reason why I have more faith in Toronto, and people say, ah, you go on this good regular season, there's always going to be some drop-off. This team has always always kept that 1-0 mentality. It's such a cliche, but it's a cliche that has worked so well for this group. They've got too many guys in this in that on that team contributing and rallying everyone together. That even if they're off to a not so great start, how many times have we seen this season? Even in the last few weeks, they get behind the eight ball a little bit here, but they're not out of it because they yep. find a way to make game changing plays to win a game. And that's something that you can't discount with this Argos team. Yeah, they haven't been going at full speed, but I do think that there's something to be said that. They, that they have established something from the start of the season till now. They are waiting for this moment. They have been waiting for this. This is how they've been working for. I think it'll be a, I wouldn't surprise me if this team got off to a slow start in that game, whoever it is they're playing against. But I, I think you look at what Winnipeg has done the last few years. Toronto has gotten to that level, what Winnipeg has done. There was never a doubt of Winnipeg getting to a great cup, even with, you know, any sort of time off or anything like that or drop off and play. You knew that the guys that are leading the charge were going to get the job done. I, I, you know what? I agree with you on that. I just, it's, there's always that worry there because you see this all the time in sports where there's the team that everything goes well for you in the regular season. And then you trip on your own feet in the playoffs. But I agree with you in the sense that this team is wired differently. Um, I'm actually going to give a reference that you and I did. I don't know if you remember this, that you and I did like a tag team interview with Jamal Peters back and mm-hmm. towards the end of July. And I remember I asked him about, because he had a pick six in the game against Hamilton. It was overturned. And right away I was asking him like, oh, hey, do you like, I think it was something along the lines of like, do you wish that had counted? Or like, do you look towards the next game? And it's just like, look, 
like you completely put the past the past behind you and you just keep moving forward. And for that very reason, I believe the same thing as you do. The other game I look at as well to where I know this team is truly, truly special is the CNE game against Calgary. Because, look, that was a game where they were truly on the ropes and tested. That was the only time at home this year they were tested because majority of their home games, if not all, were complete blowouts. So when I look at that game against Calgary, it's the fact that they had a lot of injuries in that game. It's the fact that when they needed a spark play, they got the spark play from Leak with the franchise tying punt return touchdown. It's just, and even two in the last few weeks, I remember, look, you had a guy like Mason Pierce and the Rough Rider season and ultimately cost Jay, uh, Craig Dickinson his job. So you have these next men up mentality with this team where, look, everyone's ready to go. And I expect to next Saturday, they're going to be ready to go. It's just a matter of who's going to be in the lineup. Because obviously you still have some guys like Curly Gittins Jr., Robertson Daniel, and Andrew Harris who are on the six game list. But I feel like you'll have them. I just don't know at what capacity just because – Look, when guys get out of this lineup, they just someone's right there. Like Curly goes down, and Dejon Brissett's really emerged these last few weeks as a true good, um, a true wide receiver on this roster that can be accounted upon. I think the big one here for for Toronto is the playoffs last year. I think taught them a big lesson of getting through adversity. This is a great cup, you know. Yeah. They they in the fourth quarter they lost their starting quarterback. And they found a way to score the ten points they needed to win that game. I, I but I, but what I think about this year, Chad Kelly has transformed this team. You see, you know, how is Toronto able to get by Curly Giddens being out on the line? It's because you know Dejon Brissett and Chad Kelly have had a rapport since last year. Just haven't been able to really use it because Chad Kelly wasn't a starter and finally got to see those reps. I, that's the thing about this Argos team is Chad Kelly has elevated so many players on this roster. That's why I think the offense will be good. And then on defense, that's probably the only concern I have is that guys are injured. You know, they're not going to be able to get these guys a chance to really get into game shape, right? You know, they, they're going to practice stuff, but it's another thing to get it back into the game, mm-hmm. especially if Robertson Daniel is able to come back, any of those guys able to come back. That's a tough thing to ask of them, but – you know, they, they find ways to rally around their rally around their injured players, right? Rally around, finding ways to, to get them ready to go. This defense, all veterans, they all know how to get that. There's a, except for a couple, you know, Quantas Diggers, Mason Pierce. But those guys don't feel like rookies because they're surrounded by such a strong group of veterans. I, I love that because, like, we see that in the room, too. I know this is something that not a lot of people get to experience, but, like, in the locker room, too, how it's more than a team. It feels like it's just, it's a brotherhood in there. Like, everyone's got each other's back, and everyone's just ready to lean on one another. And even, too, you see it in things like what they post on social media. And the fact, too, like, even last night, I know Chad Kelly was the one who made headlines by sitting courtside, but I believe it was Peters and Mechie and I think a couple other guys were at the game on their own last night as well. So it's just – and even to Cameron Duke's references after Hamilton, where it's like, this is the most cohesive locker room he's been a part of. So I think things like that, that happen off the field, go a huge way when it factors in on-field equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I do think uh, you really have to watch how those guys assimilate. And, you know, Ryan did we always has like a one guy, um, one guy that he kind of gets going, right? Tavares yeah. Daniels has been that guy the last few weeks. Coxie sometimes. But 
I feel like he's got to find a way to get everyone involved for this offense to have success because, you know, teams are going to find way, try to find their way to attack a weakness, and that just hasn't happened really that – like, the Argos haven't really suffered in that regard too much. The only weakness that they ever suffered was when Chad Kelly wasn't in the lineup. And that's – but even then, now they've proven that they can win a game with Cameron Dukes at quarterback. Which is huge considering, like, look, he's in the CFL for first year. He's right out of college. He's come in and just knows that right away. Like, look, he kind of had to earn himself. Like, I remember him all the way back in July just doing QB sneaks, and now he's someone that, hey, whether it be when the game's over or, like, quote-unquote garbage time or in a game like Winnipeg or Saskatchewan or Ottawa where, you know, you can tell this guy to come in and start, he may carve out a map to be a CFL starter one day. We don't know yet, but – He's showing the traits of it right now, like with his play. It's just more or less can it convert with like an on-field, like, like an on-field, off-field leadership role. We'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with um, with this team is that, you know, as much as you can talk about their play on the field, it's off the field that I've been very impressed mm-hmm. with how this group has managed this whole season. This is not an easy – you know, being a good team is uh, is not overly difficult, right? It's maintaining that and trying to get through some of the things that were thrown at them, especially one being no <laughs> – the one here is no bye weeks to end the season. They have to make their own bye weeks, which is very, you know, radical in my opinion. Yeah, it's very unorthodox in a sense, but you know what? They made it work considering they lost – only game loss was Winnipeg, but they kind of gave that game to Winnipeg. Besides that, the only true, true loss of the year was that game in August back to Calgary. And speaking of Calgary, look, they're going to BC in the Western Final on Saturday Saturday night at 6 o'clock. Um, I want to say this about this game. I feel like BC is going to win, but I feel like Calgary has something there to where it wouldn't shock me to see them. I feel like Calgary would be more of a surprise to get the upset than Hamilton would be be, uh, beating Mm. Montreal. To me, Calgary, that's not a team that you look and say, playoff team right over there. No. Right? That's just not – that doesn't scream to me that. So, you know, anything can happen in the CFL. I've learned in all my years of covering this league, anything can happen. But – it's all you know. There's a reason why this team is six and twelve, right? It yeah. is a mismatch. I do think BC. If you ask me this five weeks in the air, there's no way I would ever count against BC. BC's had some kinks in the armor though, a little bit here. Vernon Adams has been susceptible to turnovers. He's had that knee injury that's been bothering him. You know their defense is pretty good at home. This makes this an easier game for me to say, yeah, you know, BC should make this in the, you know, what I say, an easy win. I don't know if I can go easy win, but I think what will give me confidence in a BC win and a convincing one is if they get off to a good start. And if you're Calgary, the only chance you have, establish the run, keep the ball out of the BC Lions' hands, and force Vernon Adams to make mistakes. It's the only chance they have, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I don't think this is a game where Calgary would control it by tempo. I feel like it would be more of a BC tempo-controlled game, but if you can force them into making bad mistakes, because look, VA had the six-interception game. Like you said, he's prone to interceptions. And 
this game's this series has been weird with these two because you had the game back in August where BC absolutely destroyed them. I think it was like thirty six to seven, and then you had the game two weeks ago where Calgary went into BC Place and just took care of business, no problem, because they were still fighting for their playoff lives. So obviously Saskatchewan metaphorically peed down their leg at the end of the season, not having a win since Labor Day, and ultimately change happened there. But I just say I don't want to count Calgary out just because. They have a coach who knows how to get them there. They have an organization that knows how to win at a high level. But this year, I just – I like Jake Mayer. I just feel like he still needs another year before we really count him as a like a top, top CFL guy. I think he's like he's got the traits. He's got the skills. But when it comes down to this game, I just like overall what BC has more than what Calgary has to offer. My question here is, you know – Calgary can't afford to be – they can – I know teams have to show patience. They can't be that patient with Jake Mayer. No. Because this is – yeah, this is his first full season as a starter. He also took over almost midway through last year. This isn't like you just threw this guy in this year. There's been some time for him to show that what he can do as a CFL starter. I think if he comes out and he has a really bad game, if I'm, if I'm Dave Dickinson – I'm not betting my my career on Jake Mayer. It would be kind of it wouldn't it wouldn't be smart on his part. Counterintuitive? No, not at all. So I do think that you have to look at how he does. If there's any sign that you see that you know what, maybe this is our guy going forward. Yeah, sure. I could you know if he has a very competitive game, we've seen him have competitive games. But if he shows like he's done it many times this season, that he's just not ready to take that role. There's no harm in saying, you know what? He's more of a backup to us than he is a starter. Yeah. It's tough to find that starter, that's for sure. But I think that's an honest conversation Calgary will have to have with themselves. Is it also tough for them? Because I know they didn't have the best season, but we kind of know that Edmonton has their guy in Trey Ford and that Saskatchewan, there's a lot of question marks as to what they are going to be in 2024. I think there's a bit of that too, right? There's a lot of teams. There's, I think Calgary and Saskatchewan are the two teams that have the biggest question marks about their futures. Edmonton has, you know, had the benefit of, or maybe Ottawa too, but Edmonton is the one team that had a really bad year. But you can see the path for them. They got the quarterback. I think that they can work with in Trey Ford. The big problems in Saskatchewan, Calgary, and Ottawa. Are the quarterback position? It's no, no, uh, no coincidence that that's been kind of the big thing that's led to their, you know, taking that step back, all right, or not achieving what has been expected of them. So that that is something to definitely watch going forward. I yeah, I completely agree. Just because, like, like you were saying, like, well, Calgary, they've had their chances to prove, and the fact too that they they're they're a six and twelve team and they got into the playoff picture because like. I look like I'll look ahead to the West Final. If it's BC and Winnipeg, I feel like it's going to be a very competitive game. And as and I feel like you and I should podcast more often because the Leafs have tied it up. Um, but when I look at Calgary and Winnipeg, I wouldn't give Calgary a stone's throw in hell that they would win that game. You know, so it's just what game are we going to get more competitive of? Because when your NHL team is changing times of their game to accommodate you you know what's a big deal. So I'm saying that for, for Winnipeg. But ultimately, when it comes – like with 
with, with Winnipeg this year, like obviously, look, we look at Toronto and they know their end goal. Do you think Winnipeg's motivated by revenge, or do you think it's more just them knowing that look, we're the kings of the castle and we deserve we deserve to be here? Winnipeg has that conf always has that confidence. You have to throw them off in some way, shape, or form. I think Winnipeg is a little more vulnerable this year than they have in past years. But I will say um, that's a team that if you're if there's any team you should be worried about other than Toronto, it's obviously Winnipeg. Just because you see you 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 see how Winnipeg has been able to do a year after year, right? You see how you know the, the blueprint's been there. They've kept that core around. They found ways to make the core better. Like look at Brady Oliveira. Guy's a monster. I was not sold on Brady Oliveira at first, right? As a star running back, his starting back in the CFL. Well, sure, sort of shut me up a little bit there, um, right? He's transformed that team in the, in the similar way that Andrew Harris did, right? Plug, some will say plug and play in a system. No, it's not a system. This is you're recognizing talent and putting talent in the best place to thrive. Look at that receiving core. Look at that. Every, like Winnipeg has every reason to be to think that they're going to win the Grey Cup this year in the same way that Toronto does. Yeah. But we already know, too, that Winnipeg, you know, could have easily have won last year, too. They were one kick away from winning that game, right? So it until we – we're obviously there's games to be played and anything can happen. I truly believe that. We can't say for certain. But, you know, Winnipeg having the home field advantage – plays huge into their hands. They haven't had to win that extra playoff game, you know, the last few years to get to the great cup. So they've really found ways to, you know, channel all the advantages they've had to them to get to the great cup. Yeah. That, that's just it because they know too, that they were robbed of a three peat. They were robbed of the chance to be a dynasty in the CFL, but then now they have it back. Meanwhile, for Toronto, I think it's also, it's the cherry on top of knowing, look, you can end one of the best seasons in franchise history if you get the chance to win it on your biggest enemy's field. Because even to last week, I was on a show, I think you were on this too, it's called the Argo Bounce Podcast, or Argo Bounce Live Audio Show, excuse me, um, where I was asked, where does this Argo team rank among the best, like rank among the best, like with 96 and 97? I didn't want to give an answer right then and there just because those teams ultimately won. I feel like if this team wins, you can put them up there with them, but for now there's still that looming question mark just because you need the championship hardware to their name. So that's where I feel like Toronto comes in with the pressure. But at the end of the day, this is a team in all assets of the ball, coaching staff and even management knows we're locked in and we're ready to go. So it's going to be very exciting next Saturday when you and I are in the press box at the field. Yeah. Look, and if you ask me, uh, this Argos team, on paper, just how I've watched has been the best Argos team I've ever seen. And like I've been I've been watching this team since 2002. I've seen this team with Damon Allen. I've seen this team with Ricky Ray. Richard. Right. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> the one Richard Ray. Um, I think um, I think the big one here is yes, they've and Ryan Dinwiddie told me this. Nobody remembers the 16-0 Patriots going 16-0 in the regular season. They remember them losing in the Super Bowl to the Giants. That's what they want this team. They've been looking to build a legacy with this team. 
Bass Argos team, but it doesn't mean it until they win a great cup this year. Thank you for reopening the wound. I truly, truly appreciate it uh, with my Patriots. Um, before we go, uh, I actually have a couple things I have to take care of on my end. One being, if you guys are looking to bet, Bodog. Bodog is the place to bet for all the odds. Scan the QR code if you're watching the video on YouTube, or if you aren't, visit the link in my bio, guys. 100% sign-up bonus, meaning if you deposit 50 bucks into your account, you will get $50 to play with as well. It goes up to $400 as a collab between YWC Football Talk and the Down by Two podcast here on Pride Media. The other question I have for you, David, before we go, I'm going to flip the NFL. Your Dallas Cowboys going to Philadelphia Sunday. How confident are you in them going into this game? I'm not overly confident because the Eagles have advantages that the Cowboys just don't have, especially on offense. The only thing I can hope for from the Cowboys is that that defense creates turnovers and makes Jalen Hurts' life a nightmare because I just don't have confidence in the Cowboys' offense against this Eagles' pass rush. Um, yeah, the, the, the secondary is susceptible to big plays and they're giving up yards. I get it. But the Cowboys in the trenches have struggled. We see what happened. That was the reason why they lost against the 49ers. Yeah. Lost the battle in the trenches. Defense got exposed. I mean, I also think that was a tough game for them. They were That was the first game since they uh, lost uh, Trevon Diggs to the, uh, to the season-ending knee injury. So I think there was a little bit of the emotion of that and the emotion of the game. But I do think that they're going to play this game tough because it's a rivalry game. This is a game, measuring stick game. This is the game that where the Eagles want to say we're still the class of the NFC East. And the Cowboys are like, well, we want to plant a little seed of doubt and let people know that we're not a team that just preys upon lower-end competition, that we can beat the top teams in the NFL. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Because, look, with Dallas, obviously, they had – the Patriot ass whooping, then you went into San Francisco and got it. You guys got your butts whooped, but then you rebounded in these last two games against LA. Meanwhile, Philadelphia is kind of in that weird length right now where it's like, Hey, they beat Miami convincingly, but then they barely beat the commanders twice and they lost to the New York jets, but then they beat the Rams. So I feel like this game's a true measuring stick for both in the sense of who ultimately is going to be there because for Philadelphia, I don't think we've still seen them at their best. I know we've seen some good games out of them, but I feel like with Dallas, we know what their best is. And if we see their best on Sunday, there's a very good chance that they're, they can either win this game or stay very competitive for 60 minutes. Yeah, it, it could go either way. It, the Eagles knees, I mean, I just, I see this Eagles offense and how good they can be. And it's very unfortunate, but I do think. The Cowboys find a way, usually against the Eagles. That's the one thing. The Eagles and Giants, they always find a way to keep those games close. Yeah, that, I think that we're in for a close game. And also, I'm going to say this too because it's the same bet for both. BC and Calgary, if I have a best bet from that game, I love the over there. I just think both teams are going to lay it out on the field. And same thing for this Dallas-Philadelphia game. I like the over in both games. I believe it's – let me go back to my graphics quickly because I know it's 49.5 with BC and Calgary. And it's 46 and a half for Dallas and Philadelphia. Parlay them if you guys want first on Bodog for a little bit of fun this weekend. I think they're both worth doing. You heard it here from the man himself, David Morissuti, you guys. That's going to do it for David and I here. 259 in the books here, episode-wise on YWC Football Talk. You guys know what's coming up next, episode 260, releasing tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody.
Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.